We are joined today by Singh Street Style, Mr. Pradeep Singh, who's the first turban sec blogger and model. Um, you've modeled for GQ, Vogue, L, H&M, Pepsi, Samsung. The list is, is endless. Quite an accolade. Um, what is Sing Street Style? So Sing Street Style started off about six, seven years ago. And essentially, it was, it's just a fashion blog, a street style fashion blog. And it started off for me as a photographer being behind the camera, taking pictures of other stylish things. And then it just sort of evolved. And I, I was getting more in front of the camera. And then it just, it just like blew up, really. Uh, gained a lot of momentum and then through that is when this was before influencer was like a, a thing before that term was coined and um i was basically a full-time blogger working with brand sponsorship deals collaborations um having my own little merchandise as well on the side uh, consulting for other brands and then it just evolved into me landing really big campaigns with other really really big brands well done. and yeah it's just something i've been doing well done what, was that the plan or did it just sort of work out that way? Uh, yeah, it just, it just sort of happened because this happened during my final year university. I was studying English literature. I was planning to go into teaching. So I was considering either teaching English, English or literature. This studies. Yeah, yeah. To be so, or not to be? That exactly. is the question. That What's the next? Question, yeah. So yeah, that, that was... Um, You've got to say what's next. You've got to say what's next, bruv. The next, the, the, the show must go on, I suppose. Whether it is noble in the mind to suffer the slings oh, of outrageous yeah. fortune or to take arms against a sea of troubles. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not into Shakespeare. <laughs> 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 I'm, more, I'm, more, I'm more of a Romeo and Juliet as opposed to Hamlet. Uh, I can see that from your stuff online. Yeah. <laughs> we'll get Definitely on that a bit later. <laughs> but listen, your chance. We'll get, yeah. <laughs> but I mean, I'll say this. You're using terms like it just grew from here and collaborations and various things, but you're only, you're only young. How old are you now? I just turned 29. Yeah, I mean, this, this, the way that you're talking is the way that you, you hear about moguls that have got empires, that they talk about going through phases. You seem to have done quite a lot for your age. Is that fair? Uh, I, I suppose so, yeah. When I, when I, when I uh, look around and see my schoolmates, I suppose it's not, it's not been conventional. Like they have more of a conventional route, you know, um, nine to five, get married at a certain age, have kids in a certain age. But for me, I've managed to travel a lot more and, uh, and, and see a lot more, experience a lot more, I suppose. It, it, so talk to me about these experiences. If you, uh, like you, obviously, they, they would have approached you, these big multinational corporations. And before they approached you, they were faceless. They were just literally logos on T-shirts and jogging bottoms. And then you're meeting the people behind these logos. What, what was that like? It was, I mean, the whole thing was kind of a blur to me during that experience because it was just one thing after another. And I, I sort of didn't really take out time to, to stop and, and take things in. It was just, again, taking one thing after another and just keep moving forward and plowing through. So it, it definitely was an interesting experience to see how things work behind the scenes. And I think that really helped me get more of an understanding of like business really so so what's what's the first break that you get um i mean the thing is other people tell me differently 
they think that my first break was maybe being featured in a magazine or being the face of Samsung because that was like that was a huge deal and that was a really big campaign but for me I felt like my my break was uh, or, or, or yeah I suppose my break to me was H&M because that's one of the biggest top two or top three um, fashion high street brand in the world mm-hmm. and I felt like that was definitely in line with what I was what with what I was doing with fashion whereas with Samsung that's a tech company um, so it was it wasn't quite what I was doing so, so what happened Samsung approach you what happens next yeah so Samsung actually they have their own uh, uh, so that the CEO of Samsung his daughter owns like some agency um, and that agency is the one that recruits all the talent for Samsung when they do these influencer campaigns or wh- whoever they use for marketing and um, they basically approached me I had no idea what it was and the funny thing is it actually happened it was an email it was a random email that I got after going to the Gurdwara. So I went to the Gurdwara and, you know, actually, let me, let me, I need to actually go back and explain the story properly. So basically I was going, I was doing this whole blogging thing and I wasn't really making much money, but it was doing okay as, a, as opposed to like, like I was getting followers and I was building the brand, but in terms of money, it wasn't that great. And I remember like having a conversation with my mum, and she was really stressed out. We was in the kitchen and she was making food and, uh, I just said to her, don't worry, mom, one day I'm going to be like front cover of newspapers. I'm going to be like in billboards and stuff. And don't worry, like, you, don't, you, don't, you won't have to stress about me. And then very shortly after that, I went to the Gurdwara and I did an Ardas. And, and literally, I'm not even joking. As soon as I walked out of the Darbar Hall, the first thing that I do naturally, uh, as soon as I walk out of the Darbar Hall is check my phone and check my emails. Because when I'm in the Darbar Hall, I, I, my phone's in my pocket. I don't check it. And um, so as soon as I opened my phone, it was an email from this agency. And it was basically, they, they tried to make out like it was a small thing, this campaign. And, and actually it was a small thing. So at first I was meant to be just like an extra in something, or it was going to be like a small clip that I was going to be part of a, a Google ad. But then I think the, the people in the agency really liked me and we really got along and I think they liked the look and um, they decided to make me the face of the campaign. And they, they really didn't like, they, they really kept it to themselves how big the campaign was actually going to be until like we got very, very close to the point of the campaign launching. Then they told me you're going to be front cover of Metro. You're going to be basically all over the UK, the IMAX theatre, um, underground buses, that kind of stuff. So that, that was really surreal. Why did they do that? Honestly, I don't know. Honestly, that I, I can't answer that question. I mean, to be fair, to be completely frank with you, at that point, a lot was going on with like the Sikh image. So before, maybe like a couple of years before I was doing Sing Street Style, um, up until that point, um, there wasn't really any things out there uh, in, in the Western media doing anything. And then around the time that I was starting, you had people like Diljit Dasanj in India who really like... Uh, who really gave sings all around the world confidence boost that you can be a sing where the start and you can still be cool uh, and you're not like the, the, the butt end of a joke in, a, in an Indian movie. Um, and then you had someone like Just Rain at the time who was absolutely, was, he was killing it at the time and uh, he was making waves all around the world. And then you had Waris Aluwalia. So I think it was just that time as well um, where it was sort of a trend for these fashion companies to use people from different religious backgrounds. Cause even hijabis were, that was like a popular thing to use hijabis in fashion brands. 
So I think it was just timing. I, I was just there when, when the trend was there. It's interesting that you speak about this, uh, Dilji Desanja, and given that, that positive opportunity there to be successful, to be, to, to be a sec, but also to, to basically rock it and like, sort of have your own um, sort of personality come through. But to be fair, you, you've actually, um, and I say this with a heavy heart, really I do, um, you've actually faced a great deal of criticism and trolling on, on the internet, so having people have given you a hard time. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's been. I mean, it's interesting you say that, Bandeep, actually, because um, just, I, I don't know if you remember, we, we met at Super Sings once over in Hounslow. Yep. We ran into yep. each other. And um, I know you through mutual friends, and we sort of met, we had a chat, and, and uh, you told me about your blogging, which is really interesting. And not long after that, I was speaking to a friend of mine um, who, really out of character, just randomly started sort of saying really nasty things about you. And I was like, yeah. do you know him? And he went, no, not really. And I went, well, why, why do you have this sort of, why are you so annoyed by this guy? And his annoyance was based on things like, he trims his beard, he's got thin legs, right? And, he's anno- and, and it just seemed groundless. I'm like, these are not reasons for you to be so venomous about somebody. And I actually couldn't work out why everyone's so venomous. I mean, what is it? What is it? Is it just jealousy? What is it? Um, I- I think I don't. I don't know about jealousy because I don't really see any reason why anyone would be jealous of me. I I think what it is is like it was. It wasn't. It was different. It was unfamiliar. Um, I think that's what it is. When when you see something that you're not used to, you're gonna you're gonna challenge it. You're not gonna like it. It's gonna make you uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And then eventually, the more you're uh, desensitized to it, it becomes the norm. Because before me, I don't think there was really any things out there uh, that were really online pushing the boundaries of fashion and, and like wearing skinny jeans because back then like things never really like generally speaking things never really like looked like um, they were never really fashion conscious you know? I was mate you should have um, met me <laughs> <laughs> so yeah I, I think but even me to be honest growing up I wasn't fashion conscious and I didn't know anyone else that any other things that were the same you know we all used to not really um think about that it wasn't a thing to think about and I think the reason I got into it was maybe I was just exposed to different things because when I went to university I remember the first year I was in university I didn't care about my appearance I was just wearing like oversized uh, joggers and sweatshirts and things like that and then I got a job at River Island in Oxford Street and then that's when I started to get into fashion Um, and maybe that's what it was sure In, in terms of the abuse online how bad was it and, and how did it affect you um, i remember the first time I, I got comments negative comments and i would go out of my way and delete them i was so obsessed with every single comment every single like it was an unhealthy obsession because i was really really insecure mm-hmm. and it's and it's scary putting yourself out there for the whole world to see and for the whole world to criticize you and i mean the and then it progressively got worse like the more the brand grew like as as much as like the support grew and the love grew and and all the positive stuff but also like the the hate was growing as well mm-hmm. and it got to a point where like obviously really bad things people had said some really really bad things uh, as worse as you could think of and then it really got to a point where i became there's two ways that I, two things that could have happened. Either I could have 
cracked and and it could have really destroyed me huh? or um i became desensitized to it and honestly i've built a really thick skin especially like when it's online because the funny thing is everyone's a keyboard warrior but when it comes to face to face it's completely different mm. so i've never had a situation where face to face anyone has said anything to me but online you know people can go crazy because they're hiding behind the screen so, so let me I think because of that Sorry to yeah. cut across you there, mate. So just to be clear, you've had nobody give you anything negative face-to-face. -face. It's all been online. Yeah, it's all been online. That's really, that's really something that, you can, that people can, uh, should think about because a lot of the time people live in fear about, about um, people's reactions and they build up this whole wall. But in reality, it's just all over the internet. But your actual life, if you consider your life to be a real life as opposed to a life on the internet, hasn't been affected at all, has it? No, in fact, um, it's, it's quite interesting to see how, how fickle people are because um, there's been instances where I, I know of a person and they write something and because I know of them because they're local in the community, uh, I, I, I recognise them and then if I see them face to face, like they're, they're completely different to how they, they spoke to me on, or how they commented. They might comment saying some foul things, but face to face, they're, they're really nice. And I think generally that's like, I think the internet just... just brings out like the, the worst of you I suppose because you, you it's that accountability you don't feel you can get away with stuff you feel like you can and um, and it's I think a lot of the times as well with the internet people love to troll because at the expense of someone else if they're getting like clout or attention or likes or retweets or whatever they're, they're willing to do that at the expense of someone else so how does that affect you does that affect your mental well-being i mean i feel like i've been fortunate enough in that sense uh, i mean the thing is I've, I've i've gone through depression and and i've gone through through some really uh dark times but i'm fortunate enough to say that um with the social media thing i've not let that impact me um, i know other people other influencers out there that have had a hard time dealing with um online bullies because um, that's what it is it's bullying um, and, and abuse and uh, I'm, I've been fortunate enough to grow a, grow a thick skin which I shouldn't be I shouldn't because people should just be nice to each other um, but unfortunately there are a lot of influencers out there that, that haven't uh, been able to handle that, that hate. Well done to you for doing that um, you talked about um, going through depression would you be comfortable talking about what brought that on and how you dealt with that? Yeah, sure. So I think, um, well, recently, I'd say a few years ago, is when my my yearning for Sikhi, that it, it's that spark, you know, it, that's when it started. And I was actually seeing someone um, that was of a completely different lifestyle uh, to, to what I was, the journey that I'm, that I'm trying to, the path that I'm trying to walk on. And... Um, and it was just that, just being in a, it became quite toxic, being with someone that's really, that's just wrong for you. I mean, um, that person was a really nice person, but uh, if, when you're stuck with someone that's uh, got completely different life goals to you, and it's, hol it's holding you back from, from your faith, it's going to affect you. But then that compounded with like, the thing about Sing Street Style is the followers, it, it, that didn't affect me like in terms of the, the hate, but the people around me, they were, when you 
when you uh, become successful, no matter what it is, um, people, people always say that the person that becomes successful, whether they get the followers or money or whatever it is, the fame, people always point to that person and say, oh, you've changed. When in my experience, um, and talking to other people who have found like um, online popularity, they, they feel like, and I feel like, the people around me, they're the ones that change, not me. I feel like I'm the same person as I was a few years ago. But it, yeah, you've got to be very careful with who you surround yourself with. And I was just surrounded by people that are very negative and toxic and, um, again, were willing to, to basically screw me over. Uh, whether it would be over money, um, get, getting involved in my personal life. Uh, so that, that really affected me because I felt I did feel alone. So even though I had all these followers and stuff and people knew who I was, um, I actually felt very alone. You know, I didn't feel like there was anyone that I could trust and, and, and talk to. I think people that have seen you online will be surprised to hear that because people always put their best front online, right? Um, for the benefit of anybody that may be going through something similar, how did you get through this? Um, I think with me, with me personally, it was surrounding myself with people that actually do care. So finding those people, whether it be family or friends, because I think I, I did have friends out there. Um, I just needed to make the effort as well to connect with them, to, to go out of my way to, to talk to them. Because I think people just assume that you're busy, you know? Like uh, some, a lot of people don't want to talk to you because they don't want to disturb you. They assume you're busy. So if you go out of your way and you make effort with your friends, then I'm pretty sure they'll make time for you. So that really helped me. Another thing was, so, so, so number one is Sangat basically. And then uh, and number two for me is just doing what makes me happy, following my path. And that was um, taking up Sikhi, doing more Simran and practicing my faith. And then when, I, when me and this, uh, the person that I was seeing, when we parted ways, then I could really learn to be myself. You talk about, you know, Sikhi and your path and, and you touched briefly um, previously on how you done an Ardaas and you know, as soon as you walked out, whatever you'd asked, what happened. Um, I'd be interested to hear more about you, about your sort of your spiritual journey. Yeah, sure. So um, I think from a young age, I've always had like this, this like yearning, but there's, I think there's always been insecurities and, um, and the insecurity was my image. You know, growing up, I didn't understand why I looked different to all of my friends. I would, I would look, I would watch TV and I would look at Shah Rukh Khan and Shah Rukh Khan's the, the hero who beats the bad guy and then he has a happily ever after. But you never, you never see a sing there. And then the first time that I saw someone that looked sort of like me growing up on TV was September the 11th. So you can imagine how, how traumatizing that was for me and how confusing it was for me growing up in, in Essex and not really being surrounded by that many Sikhs in my school. Um, and then, yeah, just, so growing up, I've always been really insecure about my image and trying to fit in and be Western. And, and that was the reason why I kept trimming my beard. Yeah. And in fact, there was a point in my life when I was 16, when I said to my dad that I wanted to cut my hair. And, uh, I, and then I was ready to go to the barbers and, and cut my hair. And then something happened that day. I can't remember what happened, but I ended up not going to the barbers. So... Uh, uh, yeah, but so I've always had a, a, I was always struggling with my image. That's what it was, and I think deep down I've always been really interested in Sikhi. I've been trying to study Gurbani growing up, learning as much as I can. 
and trying to practice Simran. Um, but I think the, the real turning point was for me when I stopped caring what other people think in a sense that of like my image. I wasn't insecure about my image and I, I, I accepted myself for who I am. And, and that really, and in fact, then it became the opposite. Like now I care about my image because I'm proud of my image. So it was, it was, it was a strange, it was a strange like uh, transition from, okay, I don't care about my image. So I'm just going to let it be. I let my beard flow. But then when it started flowing, then I started looking in the mirror and I became proud of who I was because I, I did used to look in the mirror when I trimmed my beard and I thought I do look a bit like a sheep. I didn't look like, I didn't look like me. It's weird. I looked in the mirror and I go, that doesn't look like Pradeep. But now I look in the mirror and go, yeah, that's Pradeep. That's me. That's who I am. And, uh, and, and I think that was, that was it. That was actually the only thing holding me back. Um, Jazz, Jazz Singh from the Sikh Press Association has asked, um, is the fashion industry damaging to spiritual health? In, in this world, no matter what you do, you need to have a balance of secular and spiritual. It, you, you could be in the fashion industry, you could, be, um, you could be a construction worker, but if you're getting too involved in real life and you're not really putting in the work, spiritually then yeah it can it can affect you but like the, the fashion world it's not it's not as glamorous as it seems like it you know in, in press or media in whatever you see on tv um so it is, it is what you make of it like, i like i'm not really seeing the ugly side of of the industry where you know the drugs and the, the the drinking and the partying i never really got exposed to that so i can't really say from that sense but generally speaking, when I was like doing the fashion work, it never really affected me spiritually. I still had that yearning and that, uh, and that um, yeah, the yearning. I still had that yearning. On a, on a similar sort of vein, Young Dot 001 has asked two questions. Um, he's asked more, but limiting to these two, he's asked, um, as Sikhs, aren't we beyond the worldly illusion of the outer body? Um, and in your opinion, um, he's asked, does modelling go against sick teachings? What's your view on that? Um, I don't think so, because I think as an Amritari Sikh, uh, in a sense that you shouldn't remove any hair, but I feel like there's nothing wrong with, with, with dressing well, with having a passion for clothes, because there's nothing wrong with having a passion for cars or having a passion for food. Um, and these are all worldly things, as long as it doesn't uh, compromise your spirituality. And again, it's a it's a balance. So, so it's just finding that balance. I think that's I think that's really well put. It's not the object; it's the it's the balance with the object. It's not it's not the it's not the form, so to speak. It's the, it's the balance um, and not being consumed by it. You could say that um, chocolate is not anti-sick, but if you're consumed by it, then 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 that, you've got a problem with that chocolate, haven't you? And I suppose if exactly. you're, quite, if you're yeah. consumed by your appearance, um, I suppose, but I, I, let me just throw this back at you though. Wouldn't, wouldn't you suggest, uh, wouldn't it be reasonable to suggest that in modeling where you obviously have to concentrate very much on your appearance, that that might tip the balance away from your favor? I suppose that's the point that you're trying to go towards. Would you agree um, to look your best, that it would make you more likely to be imbalanced about your appearance in a negative way? I mean, that's I mean, that's a very individualistic thing because I I was never in a position where I was really overly obsessed with how I look or or insecure how I look and overly conscious about you know trying to look a certain way. 
um, where I feel like it compromised my happiness and my, my life. Um, so that is quite a very, that's a very individualistic question. But saying that, I feel like it is important for us as Sings to be proud of our image. We should be proud. And like, I feel like our Guru has empowered us with his image. And we need to make an effort to respect it by tying beautiful the stars and, and looking where, where we, we have like an image to uphold and respect. We need to look after it. Uh, and that's, that's what I feel. So I feel like there is, again, you don't want to be over the top and be overly obsessed where it takes over your whole life. I think, that, I, think, I think you've made a very good point. If I'm honest with you, I'm learning as we go along this, this, this conversation. And I think you've, I was already a fan, but I think you've won me over even more. I think the, the crown is sovereign and we should, we I mean, should have a sovereign respect for our appearance, I suppose. I mean, this, this is actually just a question because I actually don't know the answer, but uh, wasn't Guru Gobind Singh Ji the kind of character where they're, 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 they were royalty? So I'm assuming they did make the effort to look presentable and to look prestige. And, and, and they gave us that same, they blessed us with that same image. Um, and I feel like we need to respect that and represent that. Yeah, I can, I can certainly see, I can, least, I can certainly see the logic um, um, that that you're that, that you're employing um, in that analogy. I, I suppose there is definitely merit in that. Um, yeah. yeah, that makes sense. But the, I want to I want to touch on something you that you that you mentioned earlier, you, um, which we which we sort of glance across the top of the surface of. You spoke about your um, about your your struggles with mental health um, and how people um, and how that got brought on. And you, so was it, was it actually clinically, was it, was it you actually clinically diagnosed as being depressed? I did get professional help. So I did go uh, and uh, I, I did have a, a therapist to help me. So I never went to a, a doctor um, and I never went on any medication, but I did seek professional help by talking to a therapist. What, what do you think, just out of interest, what, what, what was the kind of things that they spoke to you about that you think re- you would have had many things that, that were private in the conversations that you had. But do, do you think there was there was a particular thing that you heard about yourself or about the human psyche, the mental psyche, that you think would be really beneficial for, for people to listen to that are struggling with depression? Um, I think that's a really interesting question. I think I can't remember if there was like a breakthrough, like eureka moment, like this is it, and I'm I'm and I'm over it. You know, I'm over a situation. I would say some a lot of people. Um, we go through all these traumatic um, moments in our lives and experiences and I personally feel like it's not about learning to get over them but it's about learning to to live live with the scars and, and move on and, and mo- keep moving forward and let time let time do its thing which is time is a really good healer so that's what I would say <laughs> have you ever thought about uh, using that English literature degree of yours because have you, have you ever put pen to paper and started writing this stuff down you might get further than you might think. <laughs> you never know. Yeah, I could, I could try it, maybe. <laughs> I, th- I think it's, I think it's, I think you, I think you hit the nail on the head there. A lot of people are obsessed with solving their problems, um, and that in itself can become a problem when you realise that you can't solve your problem. And the, the, I think a, a lot of the time the solution is just to to be in a place, to be to be in acceptance, and live in and amongst the things as they are, and be in acceptance that you can't change or control everything. Right. Yeah, exactly. I think what's interesting, Philip, is that on some level, although we all claim not to, when we see, when we see somebody, on some subconscious level, we, we prejudge them. And yep. 
if I'm honest, I'm just taken aback that someone that looks as good as you do on the screen is so intelligent and comes across so well. And, and I say that as a compliment. Thank you. <laughs> let me just let me just deal with, let me just deal with my boy here. Let me get this straight. You're surprised that someone can look good and have some brains. I, I don't know what I'm saying. No, 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 let me just, no, 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 let me no, just no. sorry, just let me just let me just let me just pin this pin this pin this guy sure. at all. Okay. What you're saying is he looks good and you're surprised that he sounds good. You're surprised. Yeah? I'm not surprised because I look in the mirror every morning and I listen to myself. Oh, I, 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 I know that it happens. That was, that was I just, my point was well, I know that it exists because I look at myself and I listen to myself. Um, the, the point is that are you listening? To this <laughs> the point is that when yeah, someone yeah. is so uh, is online and they're sort of portraying themselves as, as something so visual, I think we we on some level assume them not to be so intelligent, and and you know, that's not right. I think I just become aware that I do that myself. <laughs> He's really struggling with his. Oh, I think I did really well, eh? <laughs> he did well to get himself. But I think he did well to get himself out of a hole there. Is that fair? Say that again. I think he did well to get out of a hole there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, think I, I give, I give him a blue Peter badge for that. <laughs> did you ever get one of those? Nah, you know what? I never did. I never did. But I think, I think Inquisitive got one. I, I remember seeing that, and I, I was like that so guy. jealous. I was like, wow. That, you know that guy? Dream. He's a local boy, apparently, from what I hear. Yeah, yeah, he's he's one of the the East London lads. He, he's done some. I've seen some of his. I don't know the guy. Um, I've not met him, um, but I've seen some of his artwork. Absolutely phenomenal. Some of the stuff he's put together, the detail and the, and the level of symbolism that appears in some of his artwork really does uh, blow my mind. I think it's really, really interesting. Yeah, he's cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, but the, you, when we were speaking earlier on, you were talking about how. Um, sex are perceived and how they feel as they need to act and almost like they can't have their own personalities I know you're, you're very passionate about that yeah definitely I mean it's, it's quite interesting because I, I don't know about you guys but for me growing up um, like the people that I was surrounded by and people that I generally uh, were meeting especially, especially in university in university this was definitely a thing where they looked at Amritaris and they thought oh like that Amritari guy or that person that's trying to be religious, like then like we're just gonna assume this person's boring, has no life, has no social skills, doesn't have any hobbies, they're just like a really boring, bland, strict person. And and I and I've, this this is one of the things I'm really passionate about, uh, like with my work with Sing Street Style. I always wanted to um, normalize the image of a sing. Um, so I didn't want people to including our community people from our community but even people outside i didn't want like people outside of our community to look at uh, uh, i wanted them to look at a thing and like see them the same as they would see anyone else like they're just a normal person who happens to look different you know um so when they saw me in billboards they'll be like oh here's a thing but he's into fashion or they would let's say they see like a someone who who's also a sing and who's in, who's in sports, you know what I mean? It's, it, it normalizes them, we're normal people. We, we're all our own individual personalities. That's something that I'm really passionate about to sending that message across, especially Amritari sings and Amritari chords. Like I've got half of my family Amritari and like half of them are so funny and so out there and bubbly and lively and uh, they're the life of the party, you know? And and I feel like 
that, that there's that there was that misconception growing up. I don't know if there still is, but from from when I was in university, there definitely was. I think thanks to the public work that a number of individuals are doing, uh, amongst them I would probably count yourself. I think it's probably less um, I, as much of a stigma or a stereotype than it was before. Um, to be fair, which kind yeah, of yeah, definitely. Which kind of thing? Which kind of which kind of makes me think that you're that you're succeeding in those endeavours, right? I would say, as a community collectively, like we're all doing our part to help. So yeah, I'm I'm happy to be a part of that. Yeah, interesting. Um, but if I was uh, for a man that lives his life in the spotlight, um, it seems as though if you're living your life in the spotlight and you make a mistake, it gets amplified and thrown around the world. Where if somebody else does it, it's sort of forgotten, right? Yeah, and um, you know, I, I, I get the impression even a little mistake becomes a massive international incident. Um, I was just kind of wondering if that's ever happened to you. Um, and in a similar vein, if you've done something that you think with hindsight, well, maybe I shouldn't have done that. Um, yeah, I mean, definitely. I think uh, something recently happened. Mm-hmm. Um, just a quick, are we talking about the gas thing? No, we're talking about whatever you want to talk about. We're not talking about anything okay. in particular. Okay, cool. So, whatever you're, whatever well, I'm intrigued now. I'm intrigued now. Let's talk about whatever the gas thing is because that's that's intrigued me that, that you've naturally gone to that. Um, okay, so I, I would say the thing that that um happened recently, I mean, there was two things actually I'm, I'm going to talk about where in hindsight I thought, you know what, maybe I shouldn't have done that. So, yeah, the, the we've, first got, thing we've is, got nothing in mind, the floor is yours. Yeah, so, so the first thing is, so, uh, so the, the cast thing. So as a Sikh, um, I don't really associate myself with whatever family background cast. Mm-hmm. And um, I made a video last year just like cussing people that like put their cast in front of their faith of their Sikh. Sure. And, um, and, I, and I named a couple of casts. I said Ram Gariyadar Khan and I said Jat. And I think like some meme page basically took the part where I'm like saying things about being a jerk and like disregarded everything else <laughs> and like disregarded the message. They disregarded the message, which was like, look, we're, we're all Sikhs. Like forget about this caste thing, which is really toxic behavior. Uh-huh. And like, and plastered that online. And it just looked like I'm just cussing jerks. That's what it looked like. And in fact, like even like my dad's friends, because my dad's in construction, he's a builder and like all of his friends, um, a lot of them are from like a Jack family and uh, and a lot of them are proud of that background and like there's nothing wrong with being proud of your of your of your background and your community uh, and and your the work that you do but I think like when when you're putting other people down and it's like a really toxic uh, like just toxic behavior and um, and it's, and it's, it, it comp- if it's going to compromise your sick then it's wrong so yeah. there was that. I hear and you. I think, to, to be fair, Badeep, that's not something that you can regret because that's somebody that's cut up what you said and misrepresented it. That could happen to anything that you say. Yeah, I think in hindsight, what I should have done was just not mention any casts and okay. just, talk, just, just, just said like, you know, cast is wrong and, you know, just it's against the key. And this is one of the first things that we should, we should practice. Um, it's one of the first things that were even said to us while growing up there, you. Sure. So I shouldn't have really like, it's like cussing of the cast. I think that's what it is. I think I got a bit too carried away and a bit too let let like my emotions get the best of me. People are quick to cancel each other, um, 
and it's it, it's it's a thing. People are cancelling celebrities and influencers who whoever makes a mistake. People go back and dig up things from their past that they might have said like ten years ago and cancel them, even though ten years ago they're a completely different person, completely different. Like I know, like ten years ago, I'm I'm not the same person at all. So there's a lot of that going on, and especially they're doing it at the expense of that person. So people are trying to cancel someone just because they're trying to get some clout or some retweets or, you know, some attention. So there's a lot of that going on. There's a lot of this mob, mob mentality. Let's jump on the bandwagon. Like, let's jump on the trend. Like, this person's the victim. Like, let's just, like, let's hate on this person because yeah. that's just the trend now. Speaking of going back years, have you heard about Mark Wahlberg's recent troubles in the press? No, I haven't actually, no. Mark Wahlberg, uh, amazing actor. Um, he's got he's, he's sort of typecast as this really hard action figure, which to be fair, I think he does really well out of it. I'm sure he's not short a few million quid from it. But um, obviously, the, the unfortunate incidents, the terrible incidences of racism and obviously the death of George Floyd um, over a month ago, just over a month ago now. And it sparked like this, this wonderful um, Black Lives Matter movement, which is swept across the world. Um, and so what, what some journalists have seen, seen fit to do is pull up Mark Wahlberg's juvenile records from when he was in a gang 25 years ago. And apparently when he was in a gang 25 years ago, he said something racist to someone as he ran down an alley. And now he's getting hammered across social media. He's looking to lose millions of contracts and stuff like that. But the, the point is, is that you are not who you were. And there, there should be an opportunity in society where you can put the past behind or make a mistake and allow you to move forward, right? Exactly, I agree. I mean, that kind of stuff's ridiculous because 25 years, you know. I mean, I don't, don't quote me on that. I, I can't remember exactly how long. I'm guessing by the wrinkles on his face and the fact he was a yeah. all the time. I'm guessing it was about 20, 25 years ago. But. Yeah, it must. Yeah, it must have been 25 or 20. You know, even even five or 10 years, people change, and in, in, in that's a that's a long time that people can change. And uh, yeah, I do I do think like th there's accountability. So there's a point where like you make a mistake and you own up to it. But then there's straight up just abuse. Um, so people need to learn. There's a, there's a way of doing things because as a community, we're all family. So if I do something wrong, like you guys being my older brother, I have like the responsibility to correct me. But there's a way of correcting, you know, um, with, with love uh, and, and actually like with like a positive, there needs to be a positive outcome from it, you know. Um, there needs to be something that comes from it. But if you're just going to hate on the person, cancel them, and that's it. Like, no yeah, one's perfect. I wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily call this, I wouldn't necessarily call this being devil's advocate, but coming at it from a slightly different viewpoint, there is also, um, um, I'd say, a much bigger responsibility on someone making a mistake on a platform. There, there must be a bigger consequence to someone, or, or a bigger responsibility stroke consequence to someone making a mistake on a platform because that mistake will be known to influence far more people in a negative way. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, but the, but the reality is, I mean, yeah, you've got to be careful. 100%. I do, I do agree with that, but the reality is no one's perfect. So obviously, if you can avoid mistakes, try your best to avoid them, but it's natural to make mistakes. And I think, I think, the positive thing you can look at it from that a positive way to look at it is if people see me making mistakes and people see me like accepting accepting the responsibility and learning from it and moving forward 
hopefully people aren't going to be scared to make mistakes and and and, and learn from it and you know and and, and change you know uh, and and evolve so yeah. i think there's there's that I'm way of looking point, at it as well. before you move on i just want to say genuinely it really is wonderful to to see anybody make a mistake take ownership and move forward and through it i, I really commend you on that i mean I, I think it's wonderful that you can take ownership and say look i, I made a mistake but that that as simple as it sounds i think is beyond a lot of people young and old so i commend you for that it's a real virtue that you have there and i think you'll find that that will serve you well um, as you as you guys i'm sure as you as you go on to progress thanks thanks i mean uh, an, another thing that i want to say is like when you point a finger at someone, just remember there's three fingers pointing back at you and you need to remember like before you judge someone, you need to, if you judge someone, make sure you're perfect, you know? Um, so, so it's, it's that saying that, that, uh, that Jesus had about, you know, uh, the person that hasn't sinned can, can throw the first stone. I've got a good question for you, Abadeem. You're going to like this one. Um, my brother next to me has got a bit of a radio face, so he won't be too interested. Oh, shut up, he won't be interested in the answer. I, on the other hand, will be very interested in the answer because this could sway my future career. And, okay. and this is the question: How are you doing financially, and what are your income streams? And that's from Umra. Yeah. So, um, to be completely honest with you, to be completely frank, you're like, a millionaire, um, aren't you? Uh, nah, nah. If I if I was, man, if I was, uh, yeah, I, I don't think I'll be in lockdown in London. I would have been in lockdown in like in, in the Maldives or something. But yeah, I think uh, it it used to be really really lucrative being a blogger, being being a menswear blogger. It used to be really lucrative um, on Instagram. And I'm just gonna I'm gonna be very frank and say actually how it is because pe especially people in our community don't seem to really like talking about this. But I think it's fascinating. But like I agree. Instagram. As a platform, it's not as lucrative for uh, men in fashion, and it's even less lucrative for ethnic minorities um, because brands still prefer to go for the white guy because he, he does appeal to masses. But, um, that's the reality of it. I think maybe if I was in India, it would be a little bit different because I do get a lot of Indians that want to, Indian brands that want to work with me, but it it doesn't it never works out because I'm based in England and like they realise that. The, it's not going to they're not going to get any ROI because my follow you know I'm here and the followers are here um, so what's an ROI return on investment return on investment yep so they, they know it's not worth putting money towards me because they have bloggers in India who are also a lot cheaper and their followers are in India and it's just going to be better better business for them but yeah in the western world it's very difficult for platforms like Instagram um, but yeah, like with sponsorship deals, you can you can make like decent money, um, and then consulting. So uh, uh, now that I've got a good uh, sort of background in social media, social media strategies, and social media management, like I've used that and I've worked with other big brands, consulting them with, with campaigns. So diversifying in that sense, and um, even having my own um, merchandise, I used to do that, and then I even at one point did my own beard products, so like beard balms and beard oils all organic and uh so th there is money to be made but for what, me what kind of figures are you talking about for those that are looking to sort of follow in your footsteps like like me i've got a I've, I've, <laughs> you with I've, your face i've got a, <laughs> sorry, sorry. Are, you just, are, you just, are you just open right laugh 
Sorry, you had yo, yo, Sing Street. Could I do this? Could I rock this? Yeah, hundred percent. Huh? Hundred oh, percent. So why are you laughing at me? I'm making a legitimate, valid claim here that I could follow. I could be the next Sing Street. I'm, I've got it going on. I've got it going on, bro. Hundred percent. I don't even think it's about being the next Sing Street. It's about you doing you, and then it's going to take over Sing Street style. That's the thing. I've taken from that to mean that I'm not worthy to, to be to be a Sing Street. Come on, I no, can no, no, no. It's the it's the next level. It's the next level. I could raise the bar, yeah. That hundred percent, million percent. We could do one of those things. You know, that sort of looks don't matter with this guy. That'd be nice. I mean, why have you got to do that? <laughs> All right, well, we digress. Get back to the point. Yeah, what kind of are we talking? Hundreds of can you make money in this game, bro? Serious money. Oh, I, I wouldn't recommend it anymore. Back in the day, 100%, hundreds of thousands we're talking really? on, on, Insta, on Instagram. But, but, but me personally, I feel like the money in social media, it's in places like YouTube um, and e-commerce. Um, so, yeah, like, I feel like YouTube is the test of time because I don't know any millionaires that are Instagrammers, but I know a lot of millionaires that are YouTubers, a lot. Yeah. So... Yeah, yeah. So I think YouTube is definitely the platform, um, and then that's that's something that I'm doing. And I'm, I'm honestly, I'm not like right now. I'm working on a couple of YouTube channels. So I got one with, with my missus, and I got um, a, a tech channel with my brother. Mm-hmm. And obviously, like, it would be great if we could do it full time, and I can make money from it, and it can be very lucrative. But but I, I am doing it because it's fun. Let me, just right now, you, let me just be very transparent and direct here. Drop your YouTube channels, bruv, for the benefit of those listening. Let's try and give you a little, little boost here. What are those two channels called? Yeah, sure. So the couple's channel with me and my fiance is Rupi and Pradeep. So youtube.com slash Rupi and Pradeep. And then um, my tech channel, which I just launched last week with my brother, is called Bara Bros. So B-A-H-R-A and then Bros. Sorry, continue. So, uh, I'll drop you in so, there. You were, no, you, were saying, you, you were saying, Bradley, that you could do it full-time. I just kind of assumed that you were doing it full-time. Are you, or are you sort of stacking shelves at Tesco's in between? No, so, um, so I actually do a lot of consulting. That takes up pretty much my, like, my day work, basically. Consulting for brands, working for different brands and helping them strategize their social media, optimizing it. So that's basically what I'm doing, managing You're a brand strategist. That's something, that is... Yeah, yeah, uh, but content creation, at one point, that was a full-time thing for me. Just creating content, blogging, selling my own merch. But the thing is, to be honest with you, I'm not really into fashion anymore. Like, I've fallen out of love with it. And, um, and, and it, yeah, and I think a, a, another factor was the fact that it, it was like a dying market for me. Like, things were dying down and there wasn't as many opportunities. And the, and the opportunities that I did get, they really, it wasn't really like, worth it it wasn't as lucrative as 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 it should have been um so so yeah I'm, I'm moving on to other things and i'm doing what i think is really fun and that's creating content on youtube and vlogging and these like these things because and and that's the thing i feel like if you can do something that you're passionate about and make a living from it like then then you're really really fortunate that isn't the, that isn't the reality for everyone sometimes you need to do what you have to do to pay for for your expenses so then in the side you can do what you enjoy actually i'm actually quite passionate about this belief i think everyone can do what they love they just need to believe 
I mean, yeah, I, I feel like I, I, I do understand that and I do get that. Um, but I feel like you need to be responsible. So um, you need to, uh, like, I think if you're young and you don't have any responsibilities, then I would definitely say, like, go all in, take the risk, take the plunge. But if you're a bit older and you have responsibilities, maybe maybe you're married, you have mortgage, things like that, you have, or you have children. I think that there are ways of doing it. You know, do it on the side, do a little side hustle first and go, like, go all in. So all, any spare time you have, work on it, develop it. And then when it gets to that point where you're consistently making money to cover your cost, uh, to cover the cost of your mortgage or whatever it may be, then if you want to take the plunge, take that calculated risks. So I definitely believe in doing what, do like what you love and feel passionate about. But if you want to make your life easier for yourself, then sometimes it's, it's, there's, there's no shame in, in stacking shelves. Like there's no shame. Absolutely. Absolutely. And because at the end of the day, like at the end of the day, we're not here to make money. Um, we're here to connect with God and we're, and, and these things, you know, you can't take the money with us, with us. We die. But so can I just say, the more that I listen to you, the more that I like you. Thanks. I love the things that you say. Yeah, thanks. Question, if you believe, will you be getting married this year? And how do you feel about the 30 people restriction? Um, yeah, so the funny thing is, I was meant to get married a few weeks ago, about two weeks ago. And then unfortunately, because of this, with the whole COVID situation, we've moved it to the end of the year. Unfortunately, so or fortunately, depending on how you look at it. I can honestly say that um, uh, I'm actually really uh, it's weird because not many guys say this but I'm actually so excited to get married I can't wait I've never heard um, a guy say that and if they do yeah, they'll yeah. mind soon after yeah I, yeah may, maybe afterwards maybe in a year's time where I can have another podcast and then I can I can less <laughs> tell you how <laughs> I feel but right now I, I can't wait you know because I feel like I've I found my life partner who has the same goals as me and we want to do, want to have the same, we have the same aspirations and goals. And, and she's basically, she's my best friend. Uh, she's like the, the glue to the hip. Uh, we're like twins basically. Um, so like, why would I not want to spend every uh, second with that person? Um, so yeah, so I can't wait. And uh, it's, it's Adib, the end of the year. Adib, I'll tell you what, you're asking it rhetorically now without an answer, yeah? <laughs> I'll, I'll come back to you in a year's time and I'll see if you've got the answer. <laughs> The answer, the question is, why wouldn't you want to spend every dying second of her, yeah? Every living second of her. And I'll ask you in a year's time, how about that? Yeah, let's do that, let's do that. But, but, <laughs> but I, I just hope that his wife will be listening to this afterwards, because that would be interesting. That, that would be interesting, yeah, we'll see. Yeah. She probably is going to be He changes his tune when she's around, to be fair. He doesn't say things like this. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's gone very quiet. <laughs> well, they, they, they say they say there's three rings when you get married, Bob. The engagement ring and the wedding ring, and then after that, when you get married, there's the suffering, Bob. That's that's yeah, my, yeah. that's my practice. <laughs> there, Bob. That was that's the, well, I'll, I'll see if that's true. But but yeah, with the with the thirty um, uh, people limit. Um, I mean, there's two ways that I can look at it. Like me, me personally, I'm at that point in my life where I just want to get married, um, whether it be 30 people or 300 people. Um, and uh, I've never been the type of person, because I used to work in the wedding industry, so I used to do wedding videography. So I uh, like the novelty of having a big fat Indian wedding, like that's, that's faded away. So for me, especially because of like the Anand garage, like for me, that's, that's all that matters to me. Um, and I know that, 
if it's 30 people, I know the 30 people that are going to be there are going to be the people that are genuinely there for me and love love us. And when, when we do the Ardas, like, they're going to have really loving thoughts. Whereas, like, if we have 300 people, I'm pretty sure, like, 10, 20% of those are just random people that are just, we invited just Oddai. And, like, in the Ardas, they're probably thinking about something else, what they're going to have for dinner. And, like, you know, you, it's not going to make a difference if they're there or not. So that's the way that I see it. The 30 people that are there, 100% of the 30 people that are ride or die. What's your views on these faith marriages, bro? People from different faiths coming to the Sikh Gurdara to get married. I mean, it's, it's a bit strange because there's, there's, there's two ways that I look at it. 100%, I feel like, um, having a, a, there's no such thing as like an interfaith Anand Garaj. Like, that, that doesn't make any sense to me because Anand Garaj is, I, I would put it... Um, uh, as on the same pedestal as uh, taking Amrit, like because you're you're pledging your allegiance to to Guru Granth Sahibji. So, um, so I am against um, a practicing. Uh, uh, I'm against someone that practices practices a different faith to take Amrit. I mean, to to well, take to take Amrit as well, but to have an Anandgarj because it's the same as me um, converting to a Muslim, and I think it's called the Shahada, right? When yeah. you Shahada. So. Doing the shahada, but then like the same day, like uh, straight after, have some ham, or then you know, just like just don't don't practice the faith at all, and and actually the same day, like go go to good to good one subject matadik because I'm pledging my allegiance to Prophet Muhammad in the shahada when actually I'm going matadik into good one subject marriage. So it's the same thing that I, I feel like people don't people that are outside of Sikhi don't understand that like that anand garage isn't. Uh, this romantic wedding that you have walking down the aisle and it's lovey-dovey it's 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 a religious it's it's basically sort of like a conversion like converting if if a lack of a better term but but it's, you're, you're pledging your allegiance to your guru so and they don't understand that and how can you how can you explain that to someone that all they think um a, a Sikh wedding is is you know Shah Rukh Khan and Gajol, like running off into the into the myths, you know, like they don't understand it. So why, why do you think those that do understand it um, have had such a um, a driven determination to dilute this and 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 sort of, if you want, butcher the practice, corrupt the practice? That's the thing. I, this is the thing, though. I feel like if you do understand it, then you wouldn't you wouldn't look at it that way because there's nothing wrong with. Um, one person from another faith and uh, someone that is Sikh, whether they be fully practicing Sikh or not, going to the Gurdwara and doing an Ardas um, after they have their civil cer civil ceremony or doing an Akhand part, they could do whatever, just just not an, a non garage. And but th but this is the thing that this is this is like this is where where it gets a bit grey for me because if we're not going to allow someone that isn't Sikh um, to do an non garage, which I agree with. Then what about non-practicing Sikhs that know less? Because I worked in the wedding industry, and like a lot of the clients that I came across, they they knew so little about the Anand Garaj that I feel like um, a lot of people that aren't Sikhs would actually have taken out the time to research what the Anand Garaj is and actually have some sort of knowledge. If that makes sense? Yeah, I think I think that's a I, I think it's a it's a point that is raised sometimes. I think there's two. Um, of, I think there's two logical ways to respond to that, um, in my opinion. The first is that the people that are sort of non-practicing people that have been brought up in a sick family, 
the obvious common sense thing is that they would regard themselves as sec. Whereas the person who's from an Islamic background or a Christian background and goes to the church or the mosque every day and turns up the God, at the God of a wedding, they're clearly not sick in any way, shape or form. So that's just clear this deception, if you will. Um, and so I think that that's the, the first thing, whereas, whereas, whereas the, the people that perhaps are less educated who aren't practicing, they would consider themselves as, you know, not very good sick or not practicing sex. So, so that's the first thing. The second thing is, is that, that if that's wrong, you don't validate a second wrong. The two wrongs don't make a right, in other words. What we should be doing is taking those sects that aren't, aren't properly uh, practicing or don't know what they're doing and educating them, not using those same sects as a justification to open floodgates and let anybody, anytime they can marry through the door. Yeah, no, I agree with that. I do agree with that. That is a really good response. Yeah. But yeah, You can always look at a lower standard and go, look, look what they're doing over there. And it... it that doesn't mean that you should use that lower standard as a justification for what else is wrong, yeah. for something else that is wrong. Do you get me? Yeah, hundred percent. No, I agree with that. Yeah, I do agree with that. And but but again, I do feel like there's nothing wrong with the two people um, if they if they want to be married, do a civil ceremony, do an ardas, get guru's blessings. But yeah, that's 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 where I stand with it. But yeah, the wedding's happening in in, in the end of the year, so it's definitely happening. Oh, well done to you, bro. Well done to you. I, I, I'm sure that'll be a right bash. I'm sure, I'm, I'm sure you're looking... Well, no, I, sorry. I was about to say I'm sure you're looking forward to it. You've just embarrassed yourself <laughs> across the nation by, by, by throwing out your heart and explaining how much you're looking forward to it. Now, I think it's great. Yeah. I, think, I, think it's, I think more men need to get a hold of their... Be, be expressive of, of, of uh, affections. I think a lot of relationships get into trouble because men are willing to express relation, uh, relation, uh, ex affections. I think, I think that's yeah, actually... Yeah. Something I, I well, think, well, it's interesting you say that because I'd like to hear you express some emotions. Go for it. What do you want to say? Listen, after no, no. After no go, go, go on. Let's hear some of your emotions. I like, I like my wife. She's nice. <laughs> Is that the best you've got? <laughs> no, no. All your look, heart. Come on. You've look, said it. I'm, go for it. I'm 12 years. Yeah, just say it. You said you were. I'm 12 years in. I'm like an engine that's been running for 12, like a diesel engine running for 12 years. Battered. Yeah. <laughs> There isn't, there isn't, there isn't, there isn't, there is you do look battered. We've already spoken about this, but Dean said I'm, I'm up for a contract next month. He didn't. He did, he said, <laughs> I'm, I'm, look, your heart, your heart, carry on, please. Look, I'm, I'm actually being serious. I, I think that, that for some reason that, that Sings, Sings have got this, um, this opinion that they've got to put this outward garb on where they're just wearing, they'll literally wear shasted and consider them, their mind to have to be so sharp um, that, and so blunt that it's like a piece of iron. Um, and in so doing this, what they're really doing is blunting the, the, the blunting the, 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 um, a, any love from blossoming in, in that family relationship, uh, and, I, and I think yeah. it's really important that we we say things. I often say to you, "I love my missus," and you start to cringe. I do cringe. That, you that's say like, that. What are you talking about? Look, 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 for the benefit of the listeners, yeah, say, say look, I love my wife. She's amazing. She's the best part of me. She's the best. She's absolutely amazing. I learn so many things from. She teaches me the the true meaning of the word strength and courage. Yeah, she is proper courageous, man. She knows what it means to have patience. I've learned quite many things from her. But I, I, I think the only difference between me and other men isn't that my wife's amazing. I just think that, that a, lot of, a, lot, a lot of things just won't speak about that. And I, I think that's a real shame. And that's probably led to a lot of relationship destruction. But Adib, um, I, I genuinely mean this. It really has been a pleasure speaking to you, Rob. As you spoke, I think I liked you more and more, Rob. Thank you so much. I really... That's made my day. Thanks. I really appreciate that. Uh, it, it really has been a pleasure, Vadim. And uh, until next time, I bid you farewell. Have a good day, mate. Thank you. <laughs>
Thank you. You too.